I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 224. Well, go ahead and tell them about your scary ass thing that happened. Well, okay. So, you'll know how I said I'm at work. Well, I don't know if I've said this. Anyway, I'm covering a maternity leave at a clinic that's like an hour away, two days a week. And um, when I was coming back today to go to the local clinic that I'm always at, I hydroplaned really bad in the rain. Like, it had been pouring, and it was still raining, but not, like, pouring. And my dumbass knew better, but still had my cruise set. So if it's raining, take your fucking cruise off. Because if you hit a pocket, you can't slow down. Mm-hmm. I hit a pocket. And I'm talking, I was going not slow. And I fishtailed all over that freeway. Well, we call it interstate. Anyway, all over that interstate and went in the median on the left, crossed back over the two lanes into the grass on the other side, did like probably two 360s, I, I think, and uh, just kind of skidded into some bushes, and that was it. Like, thank everything. I didn't hit another car. I didn't hit trees. There was no damage to my vehicle. So lucky. Other than my pride. Yeah. (laughs) And my drawers. No, I'm kidding. But (laughs) no, really. Like it was. And then, of course, like I'm kind of down this embankment and it's wet. So like at first I couldn't get out because even though I have a forerunner, I don't have four wheel drive. And so I was like, I'm going to have to call a tow truck because I'm stuck in this mud. And like some cars had stopped just to like make sure I was okay and um like nobody even got out like it was that fast that like nobody even I just was like I'm fine like waved like I'm fine and they stayed there and I kind of had to go instead of just like turning up it I kind of had to go at an angle to get out of it because I kept like it was scary so of course I like I immediately called Colby and he's like freaking out I'm like I'm okay it's okay you know I'm just shaking up like I'm fine everything's fine he's like oh my god you need to slow down how fast are you going and I was like I wasn't going that fast kind of <laughs> yep been there done that hit a mailbox thank god i mean technically i i've been to some trees but i didn't like hit them it was yeah. more like shrubs you know yeah <sighs> it was very scary oh so take your freaking cruise control off in the rain i knew better my mama always told me that Mm-hmm. but i didn't listen you will now though there was a car like an suv so close to me i don't know how i didn't hit them and like you know you kind of hit a pocket and like you you fix but it was like wait i'm still go i'm still okay i'm still fish out holy shit okay i'm crossing lanes okay wow i'm gonna go down this basement okay well here we go i'm just crashed and i'm gonna have to get a new vehicle now you know like all yeah. this is going through your head and then you're also like well this is kind of like a roller coaster you know it's yes. like all these things because you're like in slow motion but yet yes. you're going so fast that is exactly how it was when i did it and i was like it you do you think about all of those things it is a comedy like I, I think of Deadpool how he breaks that fourth wall and he's like I can't believe this is happening yes. blah, blah 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 while like there's like a Matrix style scene going on that's it yes because I had been lucky so far and I was like oh I'm not gonna hit that mailbox like mm-hmm. it's gonna stop before I hit them oh no I'm hitting the bo- okay yeah well thank god because my car is paid off and I could not afford a car oh, my right gosh, now right Whew. Protect a paid-off car as much as you can. <laughs> with with everything. <laughs> well, I'm really glad you're safe. Yeah, she sent me and Tiffany a message, and I was like, <gasps> like, listening to it. And yeah. I breathed in so deep like that. Marley was asleep, and she, like, raised up. 
like, everything okay, boo? Uh-huh. Yeah, because, of course, as soon as I got on the phone with Colby, I have to boop, boop, send my voice message to Donna <laughs> and Tiffany because we do on WhatsApp. Yes, because Tiffany doesn't have an iPhone. I mean, no shade, but... Honestly, though, if she got an iPhone right now, we would still, still use, use WhatsApp. <laughs> for sure. Well, you want to know what else we're still going to use? That's real paper. That's R-E-E-L. If you're like us and you're always looking to make swaps throughout your house of sustainable products, well, real paper is for you. So, okay, y'all know I love a bidet. Yes, you do. But real sent us their toilet paper, and I really like it. Oh, Lord. Yeah, I mean, I gotta have my dry wipe. Yeah, exactly. I still use toilet paper. Yeah. Like Colby, he weird. <laughs> yeah, you still use that. So why not be sustainable with that? Absolutely. And, okay, this is what makes it so sustainable. This is toilet paper that uses fast-growing bamboo. And it's shipped in plastic-free packaging, even down to the tape on the box, which is not something you ever think of. Right? Also, like, y'all... I feel like I'm in a hotel when I use it because it's individually wrapped. Yes. And I'm like, oh, it's like a hotel. And then it's kind of quilted. Yes. The pad, like the, I don't know, it just seems so luxurious. And then it's like, it's bamboo. Right. And the center thing is different too. Like it's hard. I don't know. I like it. I don't know. I like the feel of it. How about Colby's parents came over the other day and I have a little basket in my front bathroom that has the toilet paper and Colby's mom goes, I like what you do with your toilet paper. Cause it was just wrapped in the real <laughs> packaging. <laughs> I was like, Oh, it came that way. <laughs> so look, here's the thing about bamboo. It's grass. So it's just like a lawn where it can be cut down and it regenerates without harming the plant or the soil. So with the real paper, they're able to harvest the same plant over and over instead of cutting down trees. And we always want to do something that's good for the environment. But, you know, you make changes where you can. And this one is something that is definitely a single-use product. So why not make a sustainable change with that? And everyone needs toilet paper. And let me tell you, if you have listened to this podcast for mm, more than one episode, you know that I am so, like, I get so embarrassed buying toilet paper in the store. I don't know why. That is just my one thing I don't like. This gets shipped to your house. Yeah, real paper is easy, hassle-free, subscription-based, or for one-time purchases on their website. All orders, like Donna said, are conveniently delivered to your door with free shipping in, like I said before, 100% recyclable, plastic-free packaging. So go to realpaper.com slash creep and sign up for a subscription using the code creep at checkout. You'll automatically get 30% off your first order and free shipping. That is R-E-E-L-P-A-P-E-R dot com slash creep. Then you enter the code creep to get 30% off your first order and that free shipping. So like real, you know, R-E-E-L likes to say, stop flushing our forest and give reels tree-free paper a try. Zero trees, zero plastics, zero compromises with real. You will not be disappointed. Seriously. You feel fancy wiping your tush or your bush. (laughs) (laughs) And they just canceled us. Oh, I have a recommendation for a podcast. 
Iris told me about it, and she was like, you know how we love Ghost in the Burbs, but this one is called A Conduit's Diary, and it's basically like Ghost in the Burbs, but it's set in Arizona, and it's like a different vibe, but around the same thing. So if you like Ghost in the Burbs, and you're like, hey, I am fiending for something like that. A conduit's diary. I don't know why. I just assumed you had like a condom joke coming along with that because it was like kind of the same word, only not at all. What? Conduit, condom. Oh my gosh. Now that is a stretch. That you would make. I know. Yeah. Before we move on and get up in this episode, we got to talk about Patreoners. Thank you so much, Jacqueline V. from Kansas. Jackie F. from Nevada. Sharon H. from Colorado. Mackenzie B. from Utah. Caitlin G. from Massachusetts. Amanda P. from Michigan. Lauren M. from Florida. And Taylor J. from Michigan. Thank y'all so very much for joining Patreon. And if you want an episode shout out and all the bonus content that they are getting every single month, which includes an episode a week, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. All right. Well, today I'm talking about Teresita Bassa. She was born in the Philippines in 1929. She was born into a pretty wealthy family there, had a good upbringing from what I could find, but she did move to the U.S. in the 1960s to study music and earn her master's in music. She later changed her career field completely and became a respiratory therapist at Edgewater Hospital in Chicago, Illinois. Okay, now look, there are a lot of things that I can do with a patient in the medical field, all the things. I can deal with the broken bone. I can deal with surgery. I can deal with a degloving injury of your hand. I can deal with a lot of things. I literally have been walking with a patient and I had gloves on and they threw up and I caught their vomit. Okay, ma'am. But you hawk a fucking loogie in front of me and I am a goner. I will throw up in my mouth. Yes. It has happened at work, and I've had to swallow it. I could never be a respiratory therapist. Mm -mm. There is a special place in heaven for them because they have seen us through COVID, and they are so very important. But that is one fucking job that I could never, and I mean never, do. You know I couldn't. You could shit in this floor, and I would clean it up for you, and I would wipe your ass. But if you hock a loogie on me, I am puking on you. 100%. Same. Same. (laughs) I could not. I could not. I cannot. No. No. I don't even, like, spit, you know? So, I get that 100. Look, y'all, one time, I think I've told y'all this, but my mom had false upper teeth, but her lower teeth... They know she had false upper teeth because we found them, remember? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, her lower teeth were not false and were not all there, okay? And so you knew that definitely because she would, like, tongue the hole that was there (laughs) in her bottom, okay? It was like the eel on Mario 64, like, just coming through the hole. But one time, and Tiffany is listening to this, and she's like, oh, my God, you're going to tell this story? I can't believe you're telling this. Me and Tiffany literally (laughs) talk about this all the time when something happens. But with like anything, if like a chip flies out of your mouth, we're like, (laughs) oh shit, that's like mama's time. But one time we were in my old, old house, like my childhood home. And 
my mama was walking through. And again, I don't know what this was in her mouth. Lord knows. <laughs> and all I could think about was it was like coffee grinds or something. Is it grounds? I literally don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, but, every time I say that word, I say grounds, grinds. <laughs> but it just was like that. I don't know what it was, but <laughs> she was, she went to talk. <laughs> a black ball <laughs> flew through the through that space, Gross. not through her mouth, Gross. like through her teeth. <laughs> and I, we were like, "What happened?" <laughs> like, and again, like, want to gag? Like, I love you, Mama, but you know, I don't drink after people because of like I don't do the mouth thing. Okay. And kissing's different. That's a whole different. When sexuality comes into it, like when I'm horny, all things are off, okay? But, uh. Literally, clothes, <laughs> uh, beliefs, morals. Yeah. But in the day to day, no, I don't drink after you. I don't know you, okay? When it comes to your mouth. But anyway, but like literally, we don't know to this day what was in her mouth. And what is it that she says she did? She yanged. She yanged. <laughs> Not she gleated. She yanged. <laughs> oh, God. Tiffany did something the other day. And we were like, oh, my God. That was like my mama. <laughs> like, oh she yanged? Yes, but it was like a, like a chip or something in her mouth. I can't remember. <laughs> but we were like, oh, uh, oh, God. It was like that. Like, it, that was a pivotal moment in our childhood. Like, it scarred us that It bad. wasn't your childhood. It wasn't. Y'all were definitely Oh, teenagers. yeah, we were teenagers. Not that. Yeah, I get, well, I say childhood because I feel so fucking old. But, yeah, like, we were teenagers. But I remember how we were sitting on the couch, and it was just, like, that slow motion, like, what Yeah, it was. Happened? That's disgusting. Okay, we got to move on. Whew. Yeah. Whew. But, like, but respiratory the therapist. <laughs> Go breathing. Also, my mom, when, because she had COPD, uh, she had to do that thing where you breathe into the thing and, <laughs> wow, technical. The incentive spirometer. Yeah, that's where the ball goes up in the tubes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like she didn't know me sometimes, okay? This woman knew me more than I knew myself because I told her everything about myself, even when I was asleep. But she'd be like, here, you tried. Your mouth was just on that and you were blowing into it, ma'am. <laughs> Do you not remember that time that you were walking through and you, and you yanked? yanked? <laughs> <laughs> but every time, and I was like, "Damn it! I wish I wasn't so weird because I really want to try it, <laughs> but I'm not doing that." <laughs> Why didn't you just wash it? Because I feel like it's in there. Okay. Well, if it's in there, it's not going to come out. It doesn't matter. You okay? It's all gross to me. That's why I'm saying I could not. You say you couldn't do it. I couldn't even. They would be like, uh, and today is respiratory 101. Never mind. I'm out. Like you would do it. Yeah, but ma'am, you've already paid your tuition. You're like, don't care. Don't care. (laughs) Don't care. Keep it. Put my name on a building. (laughs) Here's a brick. Put it up there. (laughs) Hey, there is a brick at the Hattiesburg Zoo that has my name on it. Girl Scouts. That's cool. Have you found it ever? Uh-huh. Oh, why didn't you ever show me? Have you? I don't know. Well, that was a tangent time, but... We hadn't had one like that in a long time. <laughs> Whew. Hopefully no one was eating with that. <laughs> okay, back to Teresita. 
she did not turn her back on music completely. She actually was going back to get her doctorate in music. She was quiet, but she was known as a nice and caring person. She even offered free piano lessons for the neighborhood kids in her apartment. Aww. I always say if I get any spare time one day, I'm going to take piano lessons again. Yeah, that spare time, though. Yeah, I don't have it, which is why I have it. Uh-huh. Your spare time is playing, like, Candy Crush Sonata, okay? No, my spare time is, like, playing piano tiles on my phone. Yes. Like, that's all I got time for. Dude, this girl was amazing at piano tiles, though. So <laughs> I'd be like, play it. Let me just watch you. Because sometimes I swear, her, like, it was like... I didn't even see your hand touch that. Like, it was just like her fingers would just like go over the fucking thing. I was like, <laughs> how did you do that? She's like, you're putting too much pressure on me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. But do it again. Okay. But again, back to Teresita. All of her coworkers raved about how devoted she was to her patients. And no one ever had anything negative to say about her. Which makes what happened on the night of February 21st, 1977, all the more baffling. Around 9 p.m., the fire department received a call about residents smelling smoke in the apartment building. But the janitor was unable to locate the source. So the fire department rushed. They found the fire was only in one apartment, and it was in Teresita's apartment. They put the fire out, and that's when they discovered the naked body of Teresita Bassa. So she was covered with a mattress that was on fire, and they quickly knew that the fire was set up to cover her murder because um, there was a butcher knife in her <gasps> chest. Shit. She was 47 years old. They believed Teresita was a victim of a sexual crime, but the autopsy did not confirm that she had been raped. So they didn't know why she was naked, but she was. And she had been kind of positioned sexually. You know, like her legs had been spread. Yeah. So the police had a body, but no suspects and no motive. And because the killer had set fire to the apartment, there was little evidence remaining. But there was one little written memo that survived the blaze. On it said, get theater tickets for A.S., now, the police had no clue who A.S. was, but that was at least something that they could use to move forward and hopefully find Teresita's killer with. However, days turned into weeks and then into months. The trail went cold. But a little over five months after Teresita's murder, the police received a tip that launched them into the direction of finding the murderer. Dun, dun, dun. But first, they would have to believe the tip. Oh, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> because you know, if I'm covering a true crime case, there's always a twist. So here's a twist. The detective that was on the case, Joe Statula, he received a tip from the husband of a co-worker of Teresita. His name was Jose Chua. He was a doctor and his wife, Remy Bias, but she went by Remy, she was a respiratory therapist with Teresita. Now, they weren't friends, but they were co-workers. And I don't know how big the department was. You know, I don't know all of those things. And they were both from the Philippines, just like Teresita was. 
The detective went to their house for the interview, and they made small talk. But then Dr. Chua asked Joe, the detective, um, he like leaned in, you know, and he was like, so um, have you ever dealt with the occult before or possession? And, you know, Joe tried to like not be like spit take, you know, are you kidding me, dude? So he just urged the doctor to continue. And so he did. He said that he believed Remy was possessed by Teresita's ghost. She had started having strange dreams where Teresita was begging her to go to the police and tell them what had happened to her. And she had told her husband about the dreams, but they just kind of waved them off as like, you know, anxiety. It could have been grief. It could have just been like, who knows? And the first time she had this dream or vision, she had just laid down for a nap in the employee's lounge. It was after a long shift. And she said that she could feel a change in the air. And she woke up. And when she did, she saw her coworker there. But she knew that Teresita was dead. So it couldn't have really been her. But then Teresita asked for Remy's help. But instead, Remy ran out of the room. Now, I don't know if she was really awake during this or not. Like, she might have thought she was awake, but not been awake. And then woke up and ran. You know what I mean? Right. Because I have definitely done that. Been like, no, no, no. I'm awake. And then I wake up. Right. But then there is this one time when Remy was asleep. And she started talking in her sleep. But she was in, like, this trance-like state. It wasn't just, like... A normal, like, oh, you're sleep talking. And then it wasn't in her voice. So her husband was like, um, hello? Like, what's going on? And she said her name was Teresita Bassa. And she pleaded for help. She said that she had been murdered by a man named Alan Showery. And that they needed to go to the police with this information. The voice said that Alan worked at the hospital with them. She asked again for them to take this information to the police. And then just like that, the voice stopped and Remy woke up. She had no recollection of anything that had just taken place. And they were both like, what the fuck? But decided, you know, they didn't want to do anything. They didn't want to be a part of this. And also they were embarrassed. Like... Hey, my wife had a weird dream about this person who worked with her. They weren't really friends, but, you know. Yeah. Okay, you know. And at this time, it had been like five months after the murder. So, you know, it's just weird. But then the next week, the same thing happened. This time, however, the voice was more angry and was questioning why they hadn't went to the police. So the husband was like, all right, I'm going to converse with this voice And he was like, hey, I'm a doctor. I look at facts and you haven't shown me any facts. Like, where's the science in all of this? Like, you're saying this, but uh, what is this? And so the voice was like, you want facts? Done, son. I mean, obviously not in those words, but basically. It said that Alan had stolen jewelry from her apartment. They were unique pieces that her father had purchased from France and had given to her mother. And she knew that after Alan had stolen them from her, he had given them to his girlfriend. And then Dispitch, the voice, gave names and numbers of four people who would be able to identify the jewelry. Damn, she had receipts. Right. So at this, the doctor was like, okay, we got to call the police. 
And, you know, he didn't want his wife to keep having these episodes. And now it's getting, like, oddly specific. So there the detective sat, listening to this story, this tip, and he was speechless. And he was more skeptical than the doctor had been. But the name that they gave did match the initials on that memo. Remember? A.S. And they would not have been able to know about that memo. So because of that, and that this was the first tip he had had in months, he followed up on it. No matter how fucking weird it was. But he did say, oh my God, like, how am I going to write this up? Like, if this turns out to be anything, what? From a dream? From a ghost? So Detective Statula did a background check on Alan, and he discovered that not only did he work with Teresita, but he lived pretty close to her as well. And then when the detective was interviewing co-workers, he found out that Alan was supposed to go over to Teresita's apartment that night to fix her TV. Likely story. (laughs) Well, he brought in Alan for questioning. Alan confirmed that he did go to Teresita's apartment to repair her TV, but he ended up not having all the correct tools, so he went back home and spent the evening with his girlfriend. The detective didn't buy this, of course, so he contacted the girlfriend, asked if she had received any jewelry in the last few months from Alan, and she was like, why, yes, I have. And she agreed to let Teresita's friends and family, you know, those four people, inspect it. And so, like, she brought her whole jewelry case, you know, like, not just, like, here's the two pieces he gave me. Right. Like, here's the whole jewelry, like, kit and caboodle. And they looked and they found items that belonged to Teresita. It was a large jade piece and a pearl cocktail ring. I, oh, I don't know that the thought of having something from someone who was murdered, right? Like given to me as a gift and me like wearing it, using it, whatever, you know, like, oh, I, I feel so bad for his girlfriend, you know, because she didn't know any better. She didn't do anything wrong. Right, right. And, you know, she probably was like, oh, my God, he has worked so hard to get me this. And then, you know, to find out, oh, it's like it tainted. Yeah. So now Detective Statula, he brought this information to Alan and Alan cracked. He confessed that he did go to fix her TV because he had done some odd jobs for her before. And she had always paid him very well for them, like paid him like, hey, here's $30 and here's an extra 20 for doing it on short notice. So, you know, he thought, oh, well, she'll, you know, she's rich. And again, it is true that he found out he didn't have the tools to fix a TV. After he left the apartment, he was desperate for money. So he hatched a plan to return and rob her. So he returned and she, of course, let him in. And when Teresita turned her back to him to lock the door, he grabbed her from behind and attacked her. He got her in a chokehold until she stopped breathing and moving. Then he dragged her body into the living room, undressed her, stabbed her with a butcher knife, and posed her body to make it look like a sexual attack. Because he wanted to throw the police off that it was something like just a robbery or whatever. Like he wanted to lead them down a different road. 
And then to further hide the crime, he went and moved the mattress off of her bed and he placed her clothes on top of her, started the fire, and then placed the mattress on top of that and started the fire on that too. However, he didn't find a lot of money or anything because Teresita didn't keep a lot of cash on hand. And I don't know if he just assumed because she had been generous to him in the past with money that, and you know, he was just like, she's rich, that she would be freaking Scrooge McDuck in her house. But that's what he, you know, banked her life on, honestly. And even though he did confess, Alan entered a not guilty plea at trial. Of course he did. Alan said that he only confessed because the police had threatened to arrest him and his girlfriend on a murder charge, and his girlfriend was pregnant at the time. He also said that he had dinner with said girlfriend before drinking and playing darts with a neighbor around 7.30, and that would have been around the time that the killing happened because the janitor called it in around 8-something, and obviously they got there a little before 9. So there was actually a mistrial because of a hung jury, but then Alan decided to plead guilty on February 23rd, 1979. Make up your mind, dude. Right? So it was just like, what is going on? He received 14 years in jail for murder, which was the minimum term for murder at that time. And then an additional four years for arson and burglary. But he only spent four years in prison and he was released in 1983. I wonder if he thought like that he could get out of the charge. And then when it was a hung jury, he was like, oh, I actually may not be able to get out of this. So let me just go ahead and plead this down so I don't get uh, the death penalty. Right. And that might have been his attorney saying that, you know. True. But some people say Teresita might have like came and visited him. Mm. I don't know. But now, some people say the whole possession, supernatural part of this is fake. And that Remy made it all up because she was trying to get back at Alan because he had gotten her fired from the hospital. But that's all, like, I don't know if this is the right word, but conjecture. Mm -hmm. Because, yes, she was fired. Well, she was let go. Not like just, you're fired. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't think there was bad blood there. But Alan also had like a weird interest in the Filipino women there. So I I don't know. There was some oddness there. But like it was almost like a fetish for him. Maybe. Yeah. But people said Remy could have overheard Alan talking about going over to Teresita's house or something. So why wouldn't she just say that? Yeah, you would think she would say that. But they said maybe she kept that information to herself until it proved valuable to her. But, like, she didn't get anything for this, you yeah, know? But still, like, why go through all the hoopla about it? Like, just be like, bro, I overheard this. Right. But then even if she was lying, even if she said, you know what? I'm going to get him back because he did this and all of that. How would she have known about the jewelry? Mm-hmm. How would she have known about... The memo with the A.S. Yeah. Like, she wouldn't have known. Like, that's just like, whoa, you know? And just because he was supposed to be going over to her house doesn't make him the killer. Like, that would be putting a lot on that. Yeah. So, I, I just, eh, I don't know. 
I feel like maybe she had some bad blood between him, like with him, but I, maybe that's why Teresita came to her though, because she then knew like, okay, you're going to know exactly who I'm talking about then. Yeah. When I say it's Alan Showery, like it's that technician because he worked in the same Think he was a technician there. So, do you believe that Teresita solved her murder from beyond the grave, or do you think it was all a hoax? And maybe that Alan was even innocent of the crime. Mm, I don't think he's innocent of the crime because the jewelry came up missing the day that she was murdered. Like, right? The jewelry and the girlfriend having all of that. Like, there's no way she would have had all of that, and it'd be like, oh, well, I got this. You know. Right. Now, did somebody come from beyond the grave to tell all about it? Unsure. But he did it. But you remember that Greenbrier ghost? Mm-hmm. Do you I mean, really? I remember the name, but I don't remember anything Okay. About it. <laughs> I was like, do you really? <laughs> I mean, I really do, but I don't. But she solved her own murder. True. You say true, and you don't even remember. I, I remember some. Have a hype girl like Carrie. She's just going <laughs> to be like, yeah, you baddie. Yeah, whatever you say. Yes, I agree. But so that, I don't know. I just, I feel like, eh, might could happen. Well, I ain't never been with a body. <laughs> oh, God. I just think it's very interesting. Like, that name came up. That's the only thing they had tying to him. But also, I want to be like, why was he not ever, like, brought in as a suspect before? If, like, you went there and... We're like, hey, tell me about Alan. And they were like, yeah, he was supposed to go over and fix her TV. Why had that not come up before? Right. But I guess they people just didn't think about it until they like, said. It's the initials, though. That's what's the weird part. It's like, how could you have not? But I guess they didn't know. I mean, like, you can't say, hey, do you know anyone with the initials A.S.? And do they have anything to do with Teresita? You know, like when you're interviewing these people, because you don't want to give it away that, you know, but still, I don't know. I am glad that her murder was solved because like they had nothing to go on besides that one memo. But you know, Alan was like, motherfuck, why didn't I look at that? You know that every time you say that, I immediately think Alan Thicke. Say what? Alan. I think Alan Thicke. I don't know why. I was like, motherfuck. Motherfuck. (laughs) (laughs) well enough about you and all that we gotta talk about our skincare and y'all know that means apostrophe is back donna and i both have issues with our skin but in very different ways and that's what makes apostrophe so great it's a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear acne that's kind of their bread and butter but let me tell you i hit them up for acne rosacea fine lines and wrinkles all the things yep and mine is mostly fine fine okay lines and wrinkles at apostrophe an expert dermatology team is going to create a personalized treatment plan that is tailored to you so when you go to apostrophe's website which you know we're going to give you apostrophe.com slash creep and use the promo code creep you're going to take a quiz and you submit some pictures and that is how your treatment plan is developed yes and the quiz is all about your skin goals and your medical history And a board-certified dermatologist will create your initial customized treatment plan. And y'all know, like Donna always says, we got all kinds of the acne, but that's what apostrophe is here for. Hormonal acne, face acne, even chest knee, back knee, and butt knee. 
It treats all your breakouts from head to toe. So if you want to reduce acne, dark spots, and just improve your skin texture, head on over to apostrophe.com slash creep. And then use our promo code creep. You're going to save $15 off your first visit with an apostrophe provider. Again, to get started, just go to their website, apostrophe.com slash creep, C-R-E-E-P, and click begin visit. Then you use our code creep at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. And look, what's so awesome about apostrophe is that if you need to do a synchronous appointment with the dermatologist or a member of their team. They have tons of times available for you. And then when you get your box, it's got these cute little stickers that you can put on your bottles so that you know when to use it. Because I have an AM and a PM. And it's got little stickers, a little moon, a little sun, and the letters AM and PM. And all of that is tailored for me. Well, not the stickers, but the bottles. Yes. So head on over to apostrophe.com slash creep and use that code creep to get your first dermatologist crafted treatment plan for $5. That is A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash creep. And use that promo code creep. C-R-E-E-P. Like Donna. I'm creepier. Okay. <laughs> Something like C-3-P-O. Oh, no, oh. not that. I was going to say steak. <laughs> C-3PO. Why the fuck would I, I ever say know. that? But I was like, I don't think shit. that's even right. C-P-3O. C-P-3O? C-3PO. C-3PO. C-P-3PO. C-3PO? C-P-3PO. Oh, which one is it? I don't know. Fuck I know. I think I'm it's right. It's C-3PO. I said that. No, you said C-P-3PO. Which one is it? C-3PO. Oh. Oh my God. This girl said, I think I'm right. (laughs) Okay, so my story this week came from a recommendation in the Facebook group from Samantha D. All about that D. Not you. (laughs) We're talking about Samantha. All right, we're talking about the Dardines. It's a family that lived in Illinois. Hey, Teresita lived in Illinois. Damn! Okay, so the dad, Russell Keith, who was 29, and he went by Keith, and the mom, Ruby Elaine, who was 30, and she went by Elaine. So, we're picturing it. It's 1986, and we are in Ina, Illinois. Keith had just started this, what? I know want to. <laughs> Listen to any more of your jokes? I know, me neither. <laughs> Okay. So Keith had just finished up some training that was required for his job. He worked as a plant operator at this water, like, conservatory type thing. Together, Keith and Elaine had rented some land and put a trailer on the land. They had a two-year-old son named Peter. So Keith works, like I said, as a plant operator. And Elaine works at an office supply store. Also, can we start... um a drinking game that every time Carrie says, like I said, take a drink. Or apparently, I say that a lot. And um, what's the other one I say? Here's the thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I say so a lot. Yeah. There's no telling how much that is of those sayings <laughs> is edited out that y'all don't even hear. Yeah. <laughs> so this couple, Keith and Lane, are just pure souls. Like they are just like in their spare time, they are in the music group at their Baptist church. Like, she plays piano and he sings lead vocals. Like, they are just as pure as pure can be and living their best life, 
on their land, kind of doing a little bit of farming. And Elaine actually, in 1987, gets pregnant with their second child. And just like our parents, I'm sure, did. Well, I know mine did because I was born in 85. They picked out a boy and a girl name because they didn't know what they were having. I was either going to be Carrie, Avi, or Caleb if I was a boy. I was going to be Donna or David. I can't see you as a David. No, I can't either. Uh, honestly, you're not really a Donna I'm either. I'm not. I am not. But you know why? It's because my dad picked out my name. Yeah, he didn't know you for nothing. It, no, because uh, he, I, I feel like he didn't name the other <laughs> the other ones, but he wasn't there for my birth. Yeah. And so, like, she was like, okay, we're, we're really going to go with the name he picked together. Okay, so back to Elaine and Keith. So, they had picked out names for either, if it was a boy, it was going to be Ian, and if it was a girl, it was going to be Casey. And they spelled it like my sister Casey, C-A-S-E-Y. But I digress. This isn't about me, and even though it's almost Leo season for her. Okay, hold on. Yours was going to be Carrie or Caleb. Mm-hmm. Could see that. Mine was going to be David or Donna. Could see that. Ian or Casey. Ian or Casey. Which, uh, Casey, Can't see that. But Casey's definitely, like, a gender-neutral name. Even, yeah. Like, for the 80s. I mean, I know that it's... Gender is fluid. Right. And I'm not everything. saying, like, certain names are even now. But, like, in the 80s, that really could be one that could go either way. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, ours are, like, Carrie, Caleb, Donna, David, yeah. Ian, Casey. Yeah. So, now that she was pregnant with either Ian or Casey... They were starting to feel the pressure because the area, even though it was such a small town, was getting really dangerous. And so they were like, we can't stay here anymore. Like, crime rate is going up. It's just not safe for us anymore. It's time to move. Keith was even to the point where he was like, I, like, he just completely regretted ever moving there. He was like, we need to go back to Mount Carmel, where they were originally from, because he's like, we're coming back even if I can't find a job. Like, it's getting this bad. We've got to get the fuck out of here. Now, again, this is a super, super small town. And just in that county alone, there had been, over the past two years, 15 homicides. Fuck. And I'm talking, like, town with, like, 5,000 population. Like, a small town. Yeah. And there had been a lot of homicides. Now, I will say that that number's a little skewed because there was a guy by the name of Thomas Odell who was a teenager that killed his parents and three siblings. So that number's a little skewed because that was five deaths right there. But still, like that's, even if you make that, let's just call that one, that's still 11 homicides. You know, there's still a yeah. lot of homicides for such a small area. Also, note to self, for you, do that case too. Right. Well, I saw this on Wikipedia that one night, like, Keith had been so scared of all the issues going on in the town that one night a a girl, like a young woman, they called it, came by to be like, can I please use your phone? And he was like, you can't come in. Like, he was so scared that he was like, no, I'm sorry. Which we talk about all the time. It's like when somebody really needs help, like, you're scared to let them in because you're scared of, is it a trick, you know? Well, on November 18th, Keith didn't show up for work one day. And Keith was one of those people that, um, I can't remember what the saying is, like you could set the clock by him or whatever. Like he was stable and always went to work, always on time, never missed. And if he missed for being sick or something, he certainly wouldn't have not called his supervisor. So when he didn't show up and his supervisor hadn't heard from him, it was so bizarre that his supervisor started calling him to be like, um, are you okay? Like what's going on? 
And the supervisor called a few times and nobody answered. So he actually ended up calling Keith's parents to be like, hey, like, have you heard from him? The parents are like, no, he's supposed to be at work. And if you're calling the house and not get an answer, that's weird because Elaine had like taken a break from work for a little while because she was getting so close to the end of her pregnancy. And she was staying home with their son. Their son? Yeah. Remember I said that he they had a two-year-old son named Peter? Oh, okay. So Keith's dad calls the Jefferson County Sheriff's Department and he's like, hey, I'll meet you down at the house with a key. Like, can you just come with me? Like, let's make sure everything's okay. When the police and Keith's father get there, they didn't actually need the key because the back door was unlocked. The deputies go in and they find a horrific scene. And like, let me just warn you that like this part I'm about to tell about the case is fucking horrible. Inside, they find three bodies all tucked into the same bed. Elaine and Peter had both been beaten by a baseball bat. And it was the same baseball bat that Keith had just given Peter for his birthday. Oh my gosh. So they're beaten with the bat and they have skull fractures that was like the cause of death. But the third body wasn't Keith. What? The third body was the baby. (gasps) What? Elaine, through the stress of the beating, had given birth. Oh my gosh. The baby was a girl and the family did name her Casey. Oh my God, that's heartbreaking. So there's some kind of like back and forth of like, how did it happen? Because they don't actually know if like while she was dying, like because of the stress of the beating, if she went into labor or if it was posthumously and like the baby came out after she died because that's a thing too. But either way, once the baby was born, the killer used the same bat to beat the baby to death. Are you fucking kidding me? No. I have never heard that. It's literally one of the most gruesome things I've ever heard. Like, I am dumbfounded. Of all the ways, like, and we're not going to, like, count them. You name them. But, like, of all the things to have, like, peacefully ended that infant's life, like, that is not it. No. That is, I hope you rot in hell. Yes. Wasn't ready for that. I told y'all. I warned you. It was gruesome. Well, I thought it was just that it... The third person wasn't Keith, you know, and yeah, surprised it was Casey. But then, holy Hannah. Yeah. Elaine and Peter were also both gagged and duct taped. I swear to God, if Keith did this to his own family, like his own, like unborn, but then born child. Yeah. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, I'm sorry. I just can't. The baby was literally just born. I know. And, like, would know nothing. Like, it's not like Peter, who's two, who could maybe give say some words of to give away who you are. Like, yeah. just let the in- infant be. Yeah. Like, even if it's in the house alone for hours on end, just don't do anything. Right. That baby's not going to be, like, a witness. Right. Like, I just... It was so much overkill and unnecessary. It was, that is, like, I can't, like, I almost want to move on because yeah, I can't Yeah, we anymore. have to. We have to. But, like, I, 
I'm just, I don't, yeah, it's a, that is a true monster. Like that is a monster among monsters to do that. So obviously Keith wasn't there, but his car wasn't either. So police are like, fuck, did like, just like you are, did Keith do this? Like, where is he? Because it's clear that it's not a robbery because there's no forced entry. There's the VCR, the camcorder. Remember, we're in the 80s. VCR, camcorder. Um, there's some money, some jewelry. All this stuff is still in the trailer that was never touched. So they're like, this ain't a robbery. Where the fuck is Keith? And his family is annihilated. It wasn't until the following day that some hunters actually found Keith's body in a wheat field, I think just about a mile or so away from the trailer. Oh my gosh. So they did that on purpose, I feel like, to make it look like it was Keith and throw, like, give them time to go wherever, whoever. With Keith, yeah. So Keith had been shot three times. I think it was like once in the face, two in the head, or I may have those numbers wrong, but it was like in the face and the head. But here's the thing. His penis was severed. They had cut off his penis. I don't know why I had to reiterate that. Then they found his car parked outside of a police station 11 miles south of, like, their house. And there was blood spatter all over this car. So how did this car get there? And the person, well, I guess maybe cameras, but it was a police station. I know. I know. There's so much that you're just like, how did, but what about this case? (laughs) So this area that's already like terrified because of all these murders are happening. Now this is this literal, like one of the probably most gruesome murders we've covered because of what happened to baby Casey, but people are absolutely terrified. On Wikipedia, it, it talks about this one neighbor who lived just like a half a mile from their house. And he was so upset and, like, worried about the dangers in the neighborhood and all of that that he, like, lost 14 pounds, couldn't sleep, had to go to the doctor for sleep medicine. You know, just stuff like that. Like, it wrecked this community. So, not only was the local police involved, the Illinois State Police got involved, and eventually the FBI joined in as well. There were over 30 detectives working this. Over 100 people had been interviewed, and there was nothing. Police were looking to see if Keith or Elaine had had affairs, you know, because of, like, the severed penis. It's like, okay, well, that's kind of, like, an icky sexual thing. Like, is there... Did he have an affair and it was like a jilted ex-girlfriend, or was it the husband or the partner of whoever, you know? Yeah, yeah. But there was literally nothing to show that either one of them had been having an affair. They did find a little bit of pot in the house, like marijuana, the devil's lettuce. Oh, I got, thank you. Didn't know what you were talking about. But it wasn't very much. So they were like, okay, like, are they dealing? But like, it was so little that they were like, well, they're not drug dealers. And they're so like, I mean, it's not unheard of for people to have a second, like a secret life, but... There was It was just like this little bit of pot. And when they did the toxicology, neither one of them had any drugs in their system. So they were like, no, like, really, this probably just, like, fell off of the killer. Like, they think that it was just, like, the killer's pot, maybe. Or maybe it was old. Or maybe it was, you know. I was going to say, it might have just been old. Right. 
because we don't know like do they do a hair sample do they do a, you know how did they do the toxicology yeah. but but like at that point in time there was nothing in their toxicology to show that they had even smoked marijuana because also where did they find the pot because if it was like my dad's little stash that i found that time that was in his upper like chest of drawers i never saw where they found it so like if it's like on the ground in a little baggie could have been the killers but if it's like in a drawer probably theirs i don't know and like because the back door was unlocked like it's all it's like was the killer somebody they knew was it you know did they come over to maybe smoke pot him and keith or whoever did it you know and never got around to it or whatever yeah gosh i really hope like because keith hadn't let that person in and i hope like the one time he's like you know what i'm gonna let this person in i'm gonna do this Mm -hmm. and then it it's bad. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Oh. So at this point, there's a lot of, like I said, theories like, were they having affairs? Were they drug dealers? You know, and Keith's mom was like, okay, what if this happens? She's like, go with me. What if someone like from work or whatever was going to force him to sell the drugs? And he said no, and they killed him. But it's like, okay, if that was the case, th- first of all, there's plenty of people who want to be drug dealers. The odds of them, like, forcing some, like, clean-cut dude that, like, is the lead singer in the Baptist choir, probably not going to happen. But even if they did, why the overkill? Why the severed penis? Why hurt the infant? Why hurt the kid? Why hurt anyone other yeah. than... Because, now, granted, they could have, like, hurt the kids, you know, hurt the wife and the kid first because they were killed first. We know that... They were killed within about 12 hours of each other. So it's like they did them first and then took him somewhere. Maybe. But like as like to torture him. Okay, maybe. But like to what end? It's not like they were like, well, we're going to torture you. And now you're going to sell these drugs for us. That's never going to happen. And then also it's some sort of hit like that. They're not going to use a fucking baseball bat that's at the house. They're going to bring a gun like execution style bam bam get it over with so that they can then be like and if you don't follow the rules that's what i'm gonna do to you exactly and then if they did do that someone would eventually talk mm-hmm. so i don't buy that and i just don't see a freaking hitman even doing that to a freaking baby no because they at least okay you, this is how i think of a hitman i think of a hitman like a convict like you got a convict code like mm-hmm. you, you know like old school convicts they live by a code they die by a code yeah whereas this is like a fucking inmate where anything goes it's just an all-out brawl of unruly no moral ground at all you know yeah so there was another theory so in the house there were some stacks of papers that had sports scores on them and then it would be like not only like okay the saints against the falcons you know here's the over under for the game here was the actual score you know kind of stuff that like either someone gambling or like a bookie would keep up with right so people were like well maybe keith was or elaine for that matter but probably keith would be more maybe they were one of them was into sports betting and got in over their head owed some people some money but there was literally nothing to to say other than i mean it was just maybe a weird hobby where they just kept up with all that stuff you know some people just keep up with weird facts you know yeah and so there was nothing to show that and like joanne keith's mom was like no look he was so frugal that he would like resell 50 cent cans of coke at work 
to like save up money for Peter's college fund. Like he, there's no way he was betting and in that much debt when he was that freaking frugal. Like it ain't happening. Well, he might have had to be that frugal because he was in that much debt. True, but there was nothing else to show it. Like, right? Yeah. You know, I just feel like co- the cops would be able to figure that out because. Mm-hmm. They're going to have informants. They're like, they're going to know what that underground betting thing is yes. in their community. And they're going to be like, was he in this? And they're going to like, no, or yes. You know, the police would be able to figure that out. Especially because he was like. So straight laced. Yeah. It would be like the dad from fucking Full House coming in <laughs> to try to like bet on a game. Yeah. So it's like if, if Keith found it, the cops should be able to freaking find it. You know. So true. So true. And then some people, of course, have to go straight to, oh, the Satanist thing because of how the baby was involved, like how it was born. So, like, was it a sacrifice, blah, blah, blah. Of course, none of that is founded, and that's dumb. So then they're like, oh, is it a fucking mistaken identity? Like, they they have nothing. You have all these detectives on this case. The FBI is involved. They send profilers in to look at all this evidence and there's literally nothing nothing so now we're into the 1990s and joanne keith's mom is pushing so hard to keep this case in the public's eye to get this solved because somebody's got to know something she got 3,000 signatures from residents to petition the oprah winfrey show to put this on the air to be like please get us some like like let's get this out Oh, shit, getting Oprah involved. Well, producers of the show were like, hell no. Oh, because it's too gruesome. It's way too gruesome for daytime TV. Like, we can't do this. Like, Montel. That's still daytime TV. Montel would do it. He, no. At first, because this is around the time where America's Most Wanted was so big, too. And at first, they said no. They're like, no, it's too gruesome. Like, we can't put it on. It's really bad. But they did end up airing it in 1998. So you have to think. It's 1998. It's like, we got Murder, She Wrote. You know, that kind of stuff. Freaking uh, Matlock. Like, we don't have these true crime podcasts and investigation discovery and all this stuff that's like telling us these stories every single week and from multiple sources. Like, yeah, Dateline and all of that, but it's like an episode a week of like one show, not bombarded with this true crime culture that we have now. So back in 1998, think of how graphic this story is to us now. Imagine what it was back then. So even though this family's murder was on America's Most Wanted, they still did not get any new leads. What? Tell me they put it on Unsolved Mysteries. I don't think so. I never saw that. Damn. So the police start going, okay, are there like serial killers in the area? Like, what the fuck? Well, there is this serial killer known, and I'm, y'all know I'm going to butcher this, um, Angel Reziendez. I probably butchered that. But he also went by Rafael. So he was this Mexican um, serial killer who was like well known for like the railroads. Like he would hop freight trains and go all over the country killing people and beating them to death. So some of the aspects of this crime were similar to his M.O. And they did find out that he was in the Illinois area around the time of the murders. But the police were never able to connect him in any way to this case. Well, then, there was another serial killer. His name was Tommy Lynn Sells. So, Tommy is 
a complete piece of shit, and he had tried to kill two girls. One of them survived after he slit their throats. Oh, my gosh. Yes, and was able to identify him, and he was eventually sentenced to death. So, while he's awaiting to be executed, you know what they do? They start confessing to all these murders. So, he confessed to the Dardine family murders. But, of course, he can't remember a lot of the details. And he says that basically what he did was it was a a coping strategy for the sexual abuse from when he was a child. And in the mid-80s, he was living in St. Louis, which is about 90 miles away from the Dardine family. He was a day laborer working like the carnival circuit. And so it's reasonable that he could have made his way down there. So this is what he ended up saying. He said that on one of those many, many trips working the carnival circuit, he went down through Jefferson County and met Keith at a truck stop. But then, like, another time later, he's like, oh, wait, it was a pool hall. Like, it just, he's, whatever. And then he says that Keith invited him over for dinner. LOL. He wouldn't even let a girl in the house who needed the phone. Like, I'm picturing, like, a 17-year-old. I don't know how old they were. But, like, this young woman who needed to use the phone, he wouldn't let them in. But he's going to invite a stranger that is, like, a nomad that he knows nothing about. He's going to invite him over to dinner. It's not happening. But there was no struggle. Yeah, but so someone who's that worried about violence in the area is going to invite a complete stranger like that that he knows nothing about to his house for dinner with a two-year-old and a pregnant wife. No, I mean, I'm just saying, like... So, he says that Keith made sexual advances and that that triggered him. So, then he tells a couple of different stories about what happened, blah de blah de blah de blah blah Then another time, he completely changes the story, and he's like, oh, because you know how I said that they were talking about, like, moving out of the area? They had put the trailer up for sale. And so then another time he says that he was going to buy the trailer and that's what happened. So I really think that that is probably what happened is somebody was like, I'm going to look at the trailer for sale. And that's why the back door was open. Now, whether or not it was Tommy sales, I don't know. It's not solved. Oh yeah, it's not. Sorry. I dug up that lead and uh, showed it to you before I buried it. Yeah. Sorry about that. Well, that sucked. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Spoiler alert. And I solved. (laughs) So, okay. Well, here's the thing. If it's not this Tommy guy, how would he have known that the trailer was for sale? That's true. And and he, he was like the number one suspect after a while because they say he did know some stuff that was kept confidential. But he was so inconsistent. But had he only attacked those girls before? Well, no. Okay, because I was going to say, if he attacked more people, it had been a little bit, you know? So, I mean, not saying like, oh, I don't remember this murder because that was a gruesome freaking murder. But I might not have remembered how, like, I got there or, you know what I mean? Like, some of those details Because, you know, after you do so many murders, the meet-cute all goes together. Well, I'm pretty sure you would remember that murder. Oh, no, I'm saying yes, but... But, like, this is not just... I mean, you attacked two girls that you saw on the street, and you've done that 17 times, and you can't remember what street you're on. This is a child was birthed. Yeah. You remember that story. Yeah. So, police in Texas did prove, they say confirm, 
um, 22 murders from Tommy Sells. Now they're like, okay, is he, this is what Wikipedia said. I could use a lot of other stuff, but the Wikipedia would just really just the story for me. But they're like, okay, well, was he copying Henry Lee Lucas, who was also in Texas, and he was like, oh, I did that murder. Okay, I did. Oh, I did that murder. No, I didn't. You know, just trying to delay and delay and delay yeah. the death penalty. And they, they wanted to take him back to Illinois to be like, okay, show us what you did. But Texas was like, no, you can't You can't take a death threat and made across state lines. No, we ain't letting that happen. But like a lot of the family said, just like I said, if he's not going to let this young girl use this phone he's not gonna let this man in that he doesn't know he's not gonna do it yeah unless there was some like we said some context of the buying the trailer at first keith's mom was like no it had to have been tommy sells but later in life she was like well i don't actually know i mean maybe somebody helped him like you know she was starting to kind of doubt herself even but in 2014 he was executed and to this day, we still don't know who killed the Dardeen family. Oh my gosh. I know they probably have done so much, like, stuff. But I'm like, there's been so many advances. Like, touch DNA. All this stuff. Like, have you done this? Because I need to know. Like, I need y'all to figure this out. That baby. Like, they all deserve justice. But Casey, baby, Casey. Mm-hmm. Like, I will never forget that. That's that's so funny that you say that too, is because a couple of the other podcasts I was listening to was like said the same thing. Like, how have there not been advances in DNA that have helped solve this? But you also don't know how things were stored or right. you know that kind of thing. So, yeah, the advances may be there, but they may not just they may literally not have the evidence to test. Right, that is heartbreaking. This is one of the most gruesome stories I've told, and I've told some fucking. I mean, toy box killer, but that, like you said, baby, like that was so pointless. Just to reiterate what I said a second ago, like, it's like, okay, Peter maybe could be a witness to something. So, you know, if you just wanted to, if there was, you had, you were gunning for Keith and you wanted to just like stick it to him, fine. That's terrible, but whatever. He could be a witness, but that infant just don't do a goddamn thing. Right. Just walk away. Yeah, because it wasn't a mercy killing to that infant. Right. It wasn't like, hey, I didn't want Casey, you know, this baby to be laying here for maybe days. days. Yeah. You know, no, 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 no. That's not what that was. You brutally murdered baby Casey. And that is just a special place for you to rot in hell. Yeah. So if it is Tommy Sells, I really hope he is. I don't know. Because, yeah, he did know some stuff. But, and of course, there's tons to this case that we don't know because it's not solved. But I just, I don't know. It feels more personal because the family was like tucked in a bed. Yeah. Like they were peacefully like laid into a bed. But that could go to Tommy's trauma that he was abused when he was a kid. So that could go to like, like I couldn't help myself when I was this age, but now y'all are a happy family together. You know, like in in his mind, like I've saved this family together and then he took off the person. That was the abuser. Yeah. Quotes around abuser. Yeah. So, I mean, that could go to that. and But I don't think, though, that, again, if there's no evidence that, that the police can find of affairs or all of that, for him to be like, yeah, um, Keith brought me in and made sexual advances so that we could have a threesome or whatever, like, I just feel like 
his first go of it, it's not going to be like, let me just get this rando off the streets. Like, there would be something of, like, some porn or something there to, like, indicate that that's something that he was into. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Well, I wasn't thinking that about Tommy. I was thinking that someone in the church, like, that Keith had, like, assaulted someone in the church, and that's what happened. Like, But again, I just feel like that would have come to light. Yes. Oh, for sure. But I was like, that's what happened, you know? But then I was thinking, but no one, I don't feel like it's someone who knew the family, because I don't think they could have done that to that baby. Yeah. Or Peter, for that matter. He's yeah. a two-year-old. He's a toddler. I know. I know. Poor Peter gets lost in that. But I just never heard of this. You know, like, oh my gosh. Like, just the brutality of that. And I wonder, too, like, because, you know, Elaine and Peter were bound and gagged and beaten. And so it's like Peter was aware of what was going on. Because he had to be bound and gagged. So it wasn't like he was like playing blissfully unaware in his room. And then they came in and, you know. Yeah. And so I wonder too, like, where was Keith during this? Like, did they subdue him somehow and then make him watch all this happen? Did he get to see the birth of Casey? Like, was this this horrible traumatic event for all of them together? Where she's like literally in labor while she's maybe watching Peter get injured and she's like in labor because this is too much for her or was it the birth just happened after she died and did you know did Keith get to see that birth did he do we even want him to have seen that birth? you know like was it traumatizing or was he like I'm so glad I got to see that you know I don't know. I don't either. This story is awful. <sighs> and the, like... Their their story deserves to be told. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Their, their case deserves to be solved. And I think part of it being so terrible is why people don't talk about it as much. I mean, there are podcasts on it. Um, but, like, it not being able to be on Oprah. It almost not being able to be on America's Most Wanted. You know, yeah. it's like... Their story is getting lost because people don't want to hear the gruesome details. And I get this not for everybody to hear these gruesome details, but you can also get their story across without telling it all. But this is a true crime podcast, so, like, we're going to tell it. Yeah, but also, it's like, no, people, this happened. And, like, you need to know this. Like, there's that evil out there. There's... (sighs) Just when you think it can't get more evil, it does. And this was in the late 80s. Just... Oh, my gosh. Part of me hopes it was the Tommy Sells guy just so it's, like, done. Yeah. But we don't know that. So could someone be out there living their best life that committed this murder? They could be. I do not want to meet the person who could commit this and, like, live their life. I I mean, how could you? How could you go on and live a life? And because if that's in you, like surely you are a murderer at your core. So like you're, mm-hmm. you're like a serial killer. You're going to keep doing it. Like this couldn't have been a one and done for you, right? Right. Well, we've got a couple more things to talk about. But before we do, we got to talk about our friends over at Jinx. They keep bringing it every time with the best dog puppy food all around. Do you have challenges with your dog? Do they have food allergies? Are they a picky eater? Do they have a sensitive tummy? I do, tom tom. Oh, we we all have those kind of dogs. We know. I am that kind of dog. <laughs> Me but too. But I also have that kind of dog. Yes, and our dogs love Jinx. Freaking 
love it. Uh, I had some of Jax's other food. We're not going to talk about it. Wait, I was like, wait, you ate his food? No, no, no. I, Marley loves Jinx, but I I don't eat Jinx. No, no, no. He had some that I gave him. And he, like, looks at me like, and? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, here's some topper. Shit. <laughs> but I'm telling you, that salmon food, though, that is his favorite. He likes the chicken. But that salmon he will be drooling before he even gets to the bowl because he's like, ooh, it's time. Yes, that's the one that Marley loves too. And like, I think for both of our dogs, we like put a little food down and they just have it all day to kind of mm-hmm. nibble on. Not when it's that salmon food. It's gobbled in yes. one gobble. Yes. Thank God for my little near feeder thing that keeps all his food because it'd be flying <laughs> all over the room with him gobbling. Yes. So look, Jinx is crafted with easy-to-digest proteins and tons of superfoods like 20-plus superfoods, pumpkins, carrots, cranberries, probiotics for gut health, and 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Let me tell you, you know, you see all those cute TikToks where it's like, hey, this dog is going to try a banana. Hey, this dog is going to try a carrot. Marley would not try any of that, okay? Those superfoods that she just mentioned, Marley would be like, no, thank you. No, no, no. But with it being in Jinx and that salmon flavor covering all of it, she is none the wiser. Um, The other day, I tried to give Jax a carrot, and he looked like Elvis. <laughs> like, being like, get that, that away from me. <laughs> but that food got carrots in it, and he is slobbering to yeah. get it. He's like Bugs Bunny. With Jinx, you can get clean ingredient kibble, slow-smoked jerky treats, freeze-dried meal toppers, and limited ingredient dental treats. You can get them online, which we're going to tell you all about at thinkjinx.com slash creep. But you can also get it at select Walmart locations. But let me just tell you, you're going to need to go through our website that we're going to give y'all. Well, it's not our website. It's theirs, but it's slash creep because you're going to get 15% off your first two orders. So you need to go this way first and then do whatever you want to because you want your 15% off two orders. So go to thinkjinx.com slash creep. That is T-H-I-N-K-J-I-N-X dot com slash creep for 15% off your first two orders shipped to your door. I mean, yeah, you can go get it at Walmart, but why not have it shipped to your house so you don't have to leave? Thinkjinx.com slash creep. So we would be remiss to not talk about what is going on in the world and how it is affecting us as, well, I was going to say women in this world, but literally everyone in in the United States right now with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Yeah. I know it affects everyone listening to this podcast because it's so much more than abortion rights. It's body autonomy and you know, that's the stuff, you know, Colby and I have had conversations about this and I'm like, you know, I have an IUD and that could impact me being able to keep my IUD that has been a life changer for me. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. And so I feel like Donna said, you know, when we were talking about, do we talk about this? Like, yeah, we have to. We love all of the listeners and we respect that some people may have differing opinions than us and you have that right. But we just wanted to say that for us, this is a really big deal and we are both impacted by this and I don't know, it's just freaking heartbreaking and my stomach hurt all day after that happened. Yes. It 
It was just unthinkable. I've always said, we'll never in our lifetime see Roe v. Wade overturned. They can't. It would be a disaster. We would go back to the 80s, the 70s, 80s, 50s, whatever it was. Yeah. All the, you know, 1900, when people were getting abortions and were penny. I was going to say dirty dancing. And being so sick and dying and being hurt. I mean, just watch Call the Midwife. Yeah. And like you said, it's so much more than just abortion. It's... It's everything to do with everything. (laughs) Equality and body autonomy and all of those things. And so, I don't know. It's just, it's been rough since that. And I don't know, hell, June's just been a a terrible fucking month. Thank God we're already in July because this month has been a doozy. It really has. You know, like, every week it was something more. Literally. (sighs) It is just, if you're on anxiety meds, like we are. You need to double them. Yeah. You know, sometimes we have um, what she calls busy bars. Isn't that what you say? My sister calls it busy okay. bars, yeah. Uh, I have been taking an extra one lately. And that's just to deal with life. Again, we're not trying to alienate anybody with stating our opinions. And very rarely do we say anything political. But this directly impacts us. And we had to. We had to just say that we see you, we stand with you, we, well, we can't have any campers coming over here because we live in a state that outlaws camping, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, Yeah, we know health there, but there are a ton of people who are willing to help who are creepsters and hell, some even companies have come out and said, like Dick Sporting Goods has come out to be like, we're going to help you. We will give you travel funds and all of that. So just know that there's help. Just know that there are people who see you. So if you feel so alone in this, reach out for help to someone because there is someone out there who will help you. That is very well said. Thank you. Sometimes I know words. Most of the time I don't. But I do know how to say thank y'all so much for all of your love and support through this horrible last month of June. And We're here for y'all just the way you've been here for us. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.